0: White Sox fans, welcome in to the Sox on Tap trade deadline reaction show. It's Johnny Nani here, alongside Tony on Tap, discussing
1: White Sox trade deadline day. Tony, how you doing, my man? Jonathan, I am uh, sitting back, relaxed, strapped down, and ready to talk uh, about what happened there. With, uh, whatever, white, yeah. Whatever
0: happened there first? Just I, I think I'm going to pour a little out for Jake Berger. That's going to be the the start of this.
1: I, you know, what? I'm going to join you on that. Um, just shocking, shocking move here today by the Chicago White Sox.
0: Right. We'll, we'll get into the moves that happened today, reflect a little bit on the moves that had happened in the days prior leading up to the deadline uh, on this edition of Sox on Tap. But before we get into it, make sure you're subscribed, on sports net on YouTube. Go and like us on Facebook as well. Drop your comments and we'll feature them on the show. Give us a follow on social media at Sox on Tap. In ONTAP Sportsnet, and as always, check out ONTAPSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports, literature, and podcasting needs. All right, let's jump into it, Tony. The trade deadline day, that's a big headline here. The White Sox also played a game tonight and uh, lost that one to the Texas Rangers, but uh, no shock there. The shock that you had talked about was in the trade deadline move that happened today, that is Jake Berger going to the Miami Marlins for a prospect left-handed pitcher. Um, I didn't see Jake Berger on the move. Uh, when I had my you know, Rick Rickon bingo card laid out at the beginning of the day. So this came as a surprise. His name didn't show up in rumors earlier in the day. Um, what were you thinking when that tweet came across your timeline?
1: First thing I was thinking was uh, this has got to be fake. Uh, didn't really know fake who the guy season. was. Yeah. yeah, it was fake account season. And you got to be weary of these things out there, especially on trade deadline day, Johnny, you know as well as I do that there's all sorts of different trickery that takes place on the timeline. I thought this was, admittedly, I thought it was fake. Uh, we saw it come across the socks on Tap group chat as well. Um, and then all the other reports started to pour in, confirming that Jake Berger was headed to Miami. Uh, I was just as, as shocked as I think everybody else was. This was a guy that, I mean – for all intents and purposes outside of Luis Robert Jr. has been the story of the 2023 Chicago White Sox when it comes to success. Um, Obviously he didn't make the team out of camp, but still second in home runs uh, on the team. I believe he was third in the American league uh, as of last weekend. Um, You know, he's a guy that uh, has overcome a ton of adversity. He's somebody that has, been on these airwaves with us, Johnny. He's one of the first interviews that we've had. Uh, tremendous dude uh, who's, you know, given us the time of day to, you know, pick his brain and, and come on here and, and chat with us uh, multiple different times, not even just socks on tap, but back all the way to the shy socks weekly days. Uh, you know, he's somebody's someone whose career we've followed very closely. And it was a tremendous uh, opportunity to see him get up to the big league level, succeed. Um, And start to be a guy that I thought was going to be one of the leaders of this team going forward, especially with how uh, Graffole and and Han have sort of hinted around, you know, culture change and, you know, who's going to be there. This was a guy that showed up every day. He hustled out of the box. He hit, you know, timely home runs. Yeah, he could have got on base a little bit more. Sure, there was questions around his defensive abilities. but. For all intents and purposes, Johnny, he was a guy that I thought White Sox fans and myself included could get behind root for and was a a real positive story uh, on this team that lacks any sort of positive stories at all outside of, like I said, Luis Robert Jr. So far this season, Uh, when I saw that tweet, man, I I was in shock and I I still feel like I'm sort of in shock right now thinking that uh, he's no longer with this team. And we'll get into the returns and stuff here. I want to hear your reaction, but man, this was, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled still right so everybody goes
0: and scrolls the old twatter timeline on trade deadline day right because you're just looking for the latest updates you want to see what the rumors are who's being talked about going where Uh, and obviously there was plenty of that kind of smoke this morning but none of it really involved the White Sox until a little bit into like the early afternoon hours I would say and even then it was kind of Joel Sherman talking about hinting at Dylan Cease hinting at Tim Anderson Keenan Middleton was pretty much a lock to go we'll discuss him later Uh, but I never saw Jake Berger's name come up even in like the previous Weeks like leading up, right? There was even like last week the Miami Marlins had interest in Tim Anderson, and it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a couple other teams that may have some middle infield uh, holes that they need to fill in and Tim Anderson. We know what he has done in his career, obviously wasn't there today this year, so um, he might be one that would be on the move, and I feel like that still kind of would have been a little bit of a surprise to the White Sox fan base, uh, maybe more so just because he's been underperforming this year. Um, But I, I didn't see Jake Berger mentioned at all is the point there in, in any of that and see him bandied about in any of that. And then it just comes across guy from the Miami Herald um popping in with, with him being traded. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Same with you. Is this fake fake count season? No, it's real. And why are we doing this? The guy that we're getting back better be pretty good. Um And my mind started to go to the same place that you did. And Jake Berger brought the fire, passion, grit, TWTW that we love. Call it meatball, take shit if you want. The guy hit dingers. Um, Timely home runs we needed. Uh, I agree with you. Probably could have gotten on base more. There there were knocks on his defensive game. Um, But he also had limited opportunities uh, up until this year. Uh, And then when he did finally get a pretty much full-time role, he was still even kind of suppressed in the batting order, so to say. I know Grafol had his odd reasons for doing so that's neither here nor there he produced when he was out there and like you said as a person great guy great it seemed like a great locker room presence something that it felt like had kind of been lacking because everyone's trying to put their finger on what went wrong with this White Sox window so to say right and Jake Berger wasn't there for all of it um he, he had injuries he had minor league stints um he was up and down uh, at times over the course of the last couple of seasons uh and he was not a mainstay so, to say, until this year, I would say. And then you finally saw what he could do when he was a mainstay. And you're right, third in the American League in home runs and tied for eighth uh, in a spot that was kind of jammed up there uh, between the, the top three and then like five through eight were all kind of jammed up there. Um, but he, he was, you know, close top of the league in home runs. And I know Miami, they need thump in their lineup. So, um, When I first saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe there could be some return here. And that is an area of need. White Sox aren't going anywhere this year. Miami Marlins are challenging for a wild card spot. Uh, But then when you go and see the return, I'm sorry, prospects are suspects. And you got a 24 year old guy who has not made it past double A on the return uh, pitching prospect coming back is here's the thing. I got to sit here and go and and reference my notes for the names Jake Eater as the return in the jake Berger trade and i'm sorry i know it's not completely accurate but that mlb trade values site right and you can go and execute your own trades and see what would stack up see if that's a fair trade um maybe it's because this guy had an injury and had it set out in 2022 um but the value was way off in terms of jake Berger being worth much more on that machine and that is a machine that usually overgrades prospects value on that side of things so um man this is a tough one to follow for me tony
1: yeah and there there were some injury concerns with uh eater um that i've read about as well again it's a name that uh is coming back with a bunch of other names that we talked about on our Sunday Fun Day show in the uh, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn deals. Um, you know, I could be proven wrong at some point, and hopefully, I am. I think this is probably the sentiment that most White Sox fans will, will take out of this: is hopefully we're all wrong, and and this kid that they moved Jake Berger for uh, winds up being an impactful arm for the Chicago White Sox. With that said. On a team that lacks all-stars, on a team that lacks home runs. We talked about how the White Sox didn't hit enough home runs last season. That was a huge thing. You know, the Steve loves home runs. I love fireworks. Here comes a kid, your former first-round draft pick, is really starting to figure it out at the major league level, and you're moving him at a time when – there's a bunch of other bats in this lineup that I feel like you could probably move for a pitching prospect. Maybe Eloy's value wasn't as high as Jake right. Berger's. Maybe Andrew yeah. Vaughn's uh, value wasn't as high as Jake Berger's. That in itself is a huge fucking problem, right? That they're they're not as valuable to go off and move um, at this juncture in you know what was the last rebuild that you're having to go and make what Rick Hahn referenced as a baseball move to deal from a position of strength. Um, I, I wonder if Miami would have done that same deal for Andrew Vaughn or if Andrew Vaughn was rated higher by the Chicago White Sox than Jake Berger at this point. I don't know. Uh, obviously the on-field performance of of both players sort of speak for themselves here, Johnny. Uh, you could add Eloy into the mix there. Heck you could add Yohan Moncada into that mix as well. Uh, I believe burgers under control until around 27 28 so yeah, he'll be yeah, in Miami yeah. yeah he'll be in Miami for quite a long time this was a an organizational piece that you could build around they must think very very high highly of this eater kid and you know I know that they seem to have prioritized uh pitching arms in this retool, sell-off, whatever we want to call it here right now. Uh, Sell-off right now, yeah. We can't put labels on stuff. Right,
0: crap like that, that,
1: yeah. I am extremely concerned with this move. Um, Yep. And and sort of the reasoning behind that, Johnny, is you you eliminate not only a feel-good story from from a franchise that desperately needs feel-good stories and, and stuff for people to rally behind, Uh, You made this team a little bit more impossible to watch down the stretch. Uh, And then on top of that, what what did Steve uh, say
0: that this team only has one likable player now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of concerns here. So, Hey, I know we've, we've gone back and forth on some of these trades. Uh, You know, the Lance Lynn deal, we talked about who won the Lance Lynn deal. We've, we've talked about the Chris sale trade, talked about Jose Quintana. This one should be graded fairly heavily for White Sox fans, in my opinion, going forward here. As you said earlier, prospects are suspects, and we are conditioned to feel that way now because of what we've witnessed here in the city of Chicago as White Sox fans over the past couple of seasons. There's no guarantees that this plays out or pays off for the Chicago White Sox, and Jake Berger may very well be in uh, in an all-star game in the next two years, hitting in a home run derby in a different jersey. And he probably won't get injured like the other feel-good story uh, in the home run derby if he does participate in it. That's just my bet. That's just how I feel as a White Sox fan right now. Very disappointed in this trade. Uh, again, hope it does pay off in the in the long run. But I think we should watch this one and, and wait it accordingly.
0: Why, after acquiring all these pitchers, when I go and look back at the hall overall, if you go and just look at every now that the trade deadline has come and gone, and you go and look at it, our guy Sox insane put out a great tweet and he said, So the Sox traded six pitchers and Jake Berger for port four catcher or excuse me, four pitchers, two catchers, and Trace Thompson. Awesome. Um, kind of you know, adding some snark there at the end, but I agree. Um That kind of, in my opinion, devalues the pitchers that you got before. And I know that it shouldn't be viewed that way because each trade is different and you don't know exactly how um, one, you know, not that one trade. Uh, and that return is exactly indicative of what the next one is, and you're probably just getting the best talent available too, right, um, based on what that organization that you are trading with is willing to offer up or has available or is ranked highly in their pipeline, whatever it may be. Um, but at the same time, if you're going that, I, I would have expected at least one or two position players not named Trace Thompson. Within this thing outside of catchers, um, I, I know that there are what two catchers that, that they did acquire, um, through all this, but um, when I go and like see this, like stockpiling on like all like the pitching there, sure, um, I mean, yeah, you, you want to have good pitching, th- that's true, but when we're like talking about pieces that, that are going to come up and like fill roles here, it, what are some positions that we've been in dire need of? Outfield corner spots, right? Um, Oscar Colas hasn't answered the bell yet. Um, talking second base, there's still no answer there, uh, for the future. Maybe Lenny and Sosa, but once again, that's not a surefire thing. Um, I know there are a couple infield prospects, but at the same time, those are all suspects, too. Guys that are already in the system, and then when you get these guys in the mid levels. Like this guy, uh, Jake Eater, coming over double A. Um, it hasn't reached above that. I, I know he did have some injury issues that sent him. Uh, he was on single A for a little bit this year and then has now moved up to double A within the Marlins system. But um, that's not extremely inspiring that they are, you know, close to being on the cusp, ready to go um, contribute here. And um, I'm going to get a little bit more into that in terms of direction of the team since Recon won't label it. Um, we're going to give our takes on, you know, what what we think the direction of the team should be, but yeah, overall, it's just, it's disappointing because especially that Jake Berger was controllable through 2028. So you're talking about a piece that at that point in time, by the time he even reaches like the free agency level, he's like already like 31, right? So you're getting all of his best years, so to say under control and even pre-arb to start right now,
1: man tough pill to swallow isn't that the type of piece that you would want to build around uh i i would um there's really no yeah good great point there's here. really no way out of this one unless this kid comes up and he's a you know top three arm in your rotation and i think that that's a lot to expect out of somebody you look at what the white Sox got when they brought up or brought in lucas giolito um michael kopek Jose or uh, Reynaldo Lopez, excuse me. Um, in some of these last trades, you even look at the struggles of a guy like Garrett Crochet has had in this system oh, you know, over the past couple that, of years and injuries a, and stuff that was like another that.
0: Comment While you brought that up, Garrett Crochet, first round pick 2020. This guy was a fourth round pick 2020. So I know that was an abbreviated draft, but Garrett Crochet, I know he said the injury issues, but this guy said injury issues too. Garrett Crochet is a first round pick and we're, you know, um, talking about him, not even, you know, it's a question mark if he's going to crack the rotation next year
1: into um, his fourth year with the club. What are we looking at for this guy? Valid questions. Very valid questions. And, you know, I was listening a little bit to uh, White Sox. Dave did a, a post trade deadline spaces and, and talked about how during this last rebuild, when when all these names were coming up, uh, and I think that this was the popular thing within the White Sox community was was sort of knowing the farm system and what was going on with it and who the top prospects were, because you you had time to prepare for the, the rebuild that was ensuing. And, and they sort of set a clear direction that we're going to do this. And, and people bought in on this whole prospect thing. I think that 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 leash that the front office had. Is almost gone unless Choke you right for futuresocks.com there's yeah. no there's nobody right. else who's who's really as involved in you know looking at these guys and, and being excited for this prospect hall that we've brought in now so a ton of question marks and it, it leaves you in sort of a, a bad spot I think at least myself as a fan looking towards the future here.
0: Right. Yeah. And looking towards the future, a great comment from L.A. here in the YouTube section here. Um, If you want to contend in 2024, which Rickon kind of indicated, we'll get to his comments a little bit. Why would you get rid of one of your best hitters? Right. Controllable hitter. A guy just finding his stride uh, at the MLB level and providing pop while doing it. I agree. That's a great question. We'll we'll dive into that. And excuse me, crap like that. Uh, as we move forward here. Um, one more from L.A. since that was a great comment there. Uh, it's almost as if the front office hates its fans. Uh, Berger was a fan favorite and a good dude in a locker room that is clearly having issues. Yep, we we kind of discussed the feel-good story that you're shipping out of town there, and it feels like, what do you have to root for, really, right now? I mean, what, Luis Robert, go and see if you can be the runner-up to Shohei Otani for AL MVP? That's really what it's like. That's about what you're watching for right now at this point in the White Sox season. So that's disappointing. Um, all right, Tony, and now that we – I think that's a good transition point, and I want to talk a little bit about Rick Hahn um, in, in the direction here and what was established. I know there's another couple moves today, uh, acquiring a uh, cast-off reliever from the Rays or pitcher for the Rays for uh, some cash there, and then um, Keenan Middleton going to the Yankees for another kind of low-level prospect there. But Rick Hahn, um, when they were asking, you know, what what's going on here, And he says, competing for the postseason is viable in 2024. Not ready to label the current status or project as rebuild, uh, but says the organization is much stronger for 2024 and beyond, and we need to get to the end of 2023 before assessing direction of the franchise. So he's buying himself some time right now. Obviously, White Sox fans are impatient. White Sox fans deserve better than that. Tony, what do you make of these comments by the White Sox general manager?
1: It's it's sort of just aggravating to hear that there is no plan right now. And the reason behind that is I don't think that they have one. They did not expect this thing to fall apart as quickly as it did. Um, they really believed in this team is sort of the sense that I get from this and I, I felt sort of almost as if the Jake Berger trade just sort of solidified for me that they were shooting from the hip here. Uh, it's really easy to go move a bunch of guys who are on expiring deals, which is sort of the path that they took. It was almost just formal business, right? Like getting Lance Lynn out of town, getting rid of Lucas Giolito, who they had no brainers,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just the, the no brainers that were out there. And yeah, you get back what you get back for some of these guys and then the the burger move sort of felt like just a move to make a move but the messaging that I had heard coming from this clubhouse was that they wanted to get rid of guys who were sort of the issue, right? With the with the culture you've heard that word tossed around a bunch of times. The they, culture, We want to even
0: acknowledge that though, in terms of, I, I understand that some of like the, um, you know, manager player have, may have touched on that in terms of an exit interview or Pedro Griffol and one of his many winded
1: responses. Is Rick Khan really ever addressed that though? That, that's I don't really recall that. In well, my that could opinion. just be another disconnect between the front office and the clubhouse here. And, and that's why I chose clubhouse. We, 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 we talk about how they um, have talked about that being an issue. And that's been acknowledged by people who are in it every single day. I don't know if Rick Khan's down in there, um exactly meddling with the with the players and and the coaching staff as as much as uh you know who knows as much as he should but the the thought that I had going into here was they were gonna get rid of guys who are sort of the the issues and as a fan we sort of look at it and I, I think we can clearly identify some guys that probably haven't been getting the job done all season. And that's, that's Tim Anderson. It's the Johan Mancata's, the Eloy Jimenez is Yasmani Grand Grandals on that list. They tried to give him away for free and nobody wanted him. Um, you know, the, I thought that we were going to sort of clean house in that aspect. And maybe there's some contractual stuff that goes with this as well. And yeah. Uh, like you know, for example, prices. I think you're just
0: straddled with Mancata. I have to eat it just an example yeah. of that
1: yeah yeah and I think sort of the Osmani Grandal thing as well here we're sort of straddled with him but luckily that expires after this year though yeah the the problem that I see with this is in terms of direction they say they want to compete again you're still straddled with a lot of that baggage. AI could be, we got another one in here from LA? Can you just read that out there? <laughs> uh, as, yeah, LA's as on soon a as heater that the heater. up on the it, screen
0: in the comments section, says AI could probably make statements that are more clear and less pretentious than Han. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's hilarious. That just made me laugh, Tony. Yeah, yeah get, back, get
1: back. Toss get that here. up there. It totally derailed my train of thought there. Thanks, LA, for for being in these comments. Um, the the problem that I have with this is you have Rick Han saying that you know. You, the, there's a viable path to the postseason in 2024. Sure, there's a viable path to the postseason in 2024. Did division still uh, sucks. Yeah, d- yeah, the division still sucks. That's that's fair. But you know, and and LA brought this one up earlier. Is trading one of your best hitters helping you make the postseason in 2024 for a guy who hasn't you know sniffed above double A yet? I don't know if that's the right course of action. So it's moves like this that make me think that this thing was you know, entirely shoot from the hip. Uh, they don't exactly know where they want to go. Rick Hahn sort of states, you know, there, there's a lot of time between now and, and opening day next year to put together a roster. But if we didn't have a plan going into this, what makes you think they're going to have a, a, a bonafide plan to address this, this offseason with this same front office who's brought you all of this dumpster fire over and over again so i I don't i don't really know where to go from here i'm sort of upset as a fan i'm pissed off i think that you know there's a chance they go out and spend some money but as i've said before this free agent class is not going to be a free agent class that is going to really improve your ball club outside of you know the big name that's out there you you see the mets and, and and uh Max Scherzer sort of spilled a bunch of stuff today and the Mets are even kicking the can to 25. Well, guess what? Now we're in Dylan C's contract year. So there's a lot of things that are coming out there. If, if the Mets who everybody that I've talked to heard uh, all year uh, on, on the Twitter timeline has said that, you know, they're a a great ball club and we should model ourselves after that. Well, if they're kicking the can on this next offseason, what makes you think that Rick Hahn is going to come in there and all of a sudden make the right moves? To get you back to the postseason next year right i have a serious question mark with that
0: yeah and all legitimate questions and i think this is just why the frustration builds right uh because they won't proclaim a, a direction and um i think it was a sun times editor uh, that wrote i'm blank on the name but daryl van scowen that scared it is shared it earlier and it was a um sort of you know rick khan sing, uh, sings a tale um, for another, you know, failed, you know, trade deadline like experience or whatever it was. Um, and that's really what he's doing, he's just telling tales, uh, out there. And it sucks because I think everybody's in agreement on this within the White Sox fan base. If you really care about this team on a day to day basis and you know what the operations have been like for years, it's that. Kenny, Rick, the whole upper management needs to go. Obviously, there's the Jerry sell the team thing that's been out there for a while now. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But just be realistic. That ain't happening. Jerry Ransworth not selling the team in the offseason. I'd have a sliver. I want to hold on to a sliver of hope that maybe, maybe, just maybe, after this rebuild, um, going through that project, uh, costing Jerry some money of not being in the second place that he always likes there uh, over the past you know, five years <laughs> leading up to this uh, window, so to say. Uh, it might be the last straw, and Han and uh, Kenny Williams are finally out the door, but I'm also not going to say that's a guarantee either there. So w- when I go and think about this, I had to pick this, lesser of two evils, rebuild, retool. I'm team retool, Tony. Rick Hahn doesn't get to be in charge of another full-scale rebuild. I'm not going back to watching grainy prospect highlights of the White Sox for the next five years, hoping that it'll just pan out and work out, you know, like we all had hoped this window was when they acquired all these great prospects and had this controllable arm that they sent away and got two guys that are, let's be honest, busts to this point, and Michael Kopech and Yohan Um, and then the other one's not meshing with that. It never all came together, Lance Lynn says, in his exit interview before he leaves town. Um, They added a few pieces there, sure. The front office could have done better in supplementing that, but I think there's everybody knows that there is a um, sort of uh, dynamic that's at play there in how much is allowed to spend, um, right? Because for a while, when Han was on the right track of making the right trades, or so we thought at the time during that rebuild, um, that we were on the right track. And then it's just, we couldn't supplement it there. Well, I would rather start with Dylan Cease and Luis Robert than start from fucking scratch with, you know, maybe a few fringe pieces around. The diamond, when you go and look there, position player-wise, um, no clear catcher in sight, right? Um, I'd rather have a guy that's going to finish runner-up AL MVP here, Luis Robert on my team there. I know that he was kind of like the untouchable there, uh, but add Dylan Cease in there, and guess what? You know, if shit doesn't work out and say they do go for it next year, um, we're talking future direction of this franchise. You can still trade Dylan Cease in the office. You can still trade Dylan Cease next year. My hope would be that, someone can take over the reins of the front office in the off season. That's not Rick on and Kenny Williams, but in my mind, I'm just going to operate under the assumption that they are knowing Jerry, knowing his track record, knowing his loyalty, his greatest strength and also greatest fault. Right. Um, I'll go down that road over the rebuild that a lot of people wanted to see happen today with Dylan cease getting moved, because guess what? I'm sorry you all spent your, you know, seven hours of your day diluting yourself into thinking that the Orioles might move Jackson holiday. That was never going to happen. You're never going to get fair value from the Orioles for Dylan Cease. If you wanted to be serious, you would have really swooped in and pressured the Dodgers hard after Eduardo Rodriguez denied that trade out to LA. That's where you really would have been. Take advantage of that system out there. I know the Orioles might have a little bit more flash at the top right now, but, um, I'm glad that they held on to Dylan Cease here and I'll sit on team re- retool uh entering this offseason Tony.
1: I think that's fair. Um, you know, overall, I I I wholeheartedly agree with a lot of what you said, especially in terms of the who's going to be managing this team from a front office perspective. I like to operate underneath the assumption that Rick Hahn is going to be here for the remainder of my time on this earth. Right. as the White Sox general manager until I'm proven otherwise. Um, Jerry's going to find the fountain of youth. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way that uh, I don't make it to 60, 70 years old and we're dealing with 140-some-year-old Jerry Reinsdorf uh, still making me miserable and, and probably still making NWI Steve miserable, and that's what's important here because he needs to be miserable. But the fact of the matter is, there's no reason that this team should be retooling. there's no reason they should be rebuilding. there's no reason that we should be in this situation right now. this is this is bottom of the barrel. it does not get it does not get worse when we're sitting here having to argue or discuss the right. direction of this thing in what was supposed to be a window of sustained success and whatever definition Ricon has for that, uh, I, I would I would venture to say he can look at this and, and isn't stupid um, and knows that this is not where this team needs to be right now. With that said, financial resources aside, there's a lot of raises that are going to kick in for some of these players next season. So some of the money shed, and and I know that Yasmani Grandal comes off the books as well. Bob Nightingale said that they are going to be players in this free agent market. Uh, you could take that for what it's worth. I don't really have faith that either path is going to wind up getting you to where they need to be for us to be happy White Sox fans within the next five years. So the lesser of two evils, when you throw that out there, if you're talking about sort of the all in days, which is what they need to do and go and go piecemeal, whatever they can together with competent MLB veterans competent meaning White Sox level because we got to be realistic here. Uh, So you're going to see that sort of same thing, the Todd Frazier type deal, maybe this off season, who knows. Uh, But I'm just looking at this. Like, is there a reason to buy White Sox season tickets next year? Is there a reason to go out to Sox Fest? Is there going to be a Sox Fest? Can they answer for this? There's there's no accountability here. Um, And I know they've said that, Accountability is not an issue uh with the White Sox. This this reeks of the same accountability issue that we've been chasing here for the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, this is past, you know, get mad at Pedro Griffol. It's it's past, you know, get mad at Ethan Katz. There's so many problems that you know I say burn when I say burn it down, I don't mean go into a full-scale rebuild. It it just needs to be burned down from the top bottom, including front office coaching staff development staff everything involved in there and and as people have said and i have tried to stay away from this steve's been big on it for a long time it's not going to change until jerry's gone um i've i've stayed away from that i'd like to hold out hope because at one point in my life the 2005 white Sox happened and you know you know you can catch lightning in a bottle once it's like we're drug addicts just sort of searching for that one hit that's going to make us feel great again um that's the only thing I can explain it as right yeah. now. It's because like, I don't know where we're getting our next hit, man. We, you got to find a fix and there's no fix anywhere in sight.
0: Yeah. that That's a great way to put it, man. And I totally agree with you. I was just kind of going more on future direction with what's presented with us right here on trade deadline day, 2023. But when you go and look at it in a big picture, um, you know, sort of sense. I think you just summed it up perfectly there. So, um, it's sad that we do have to, you know, talk about it in, in this light. But unfortunately, that is the reality of the situation because, um, I think one thing that you had mentioned in terms of burning it down, sure, there, there's the, I think every team and it's not just the White Sox. Sure, we see it a lot because we're all White Sox fans. Uh, and we all share the same, you know, kind of passion for this team. We want to see it, um, be run correctly and the same guy. That have been in charge have been in charge for a long damn time. So when you see the fire Kenny, Fire Han, uh, you know, sell the team Jerry, all of that, that's all good and well, and totally within your right as a fan to go and say, but you go and look at other team's fan bases they'll go and do the same thing when they're in a year, uh, period of uh you know struggles down years whatever it may be um so that all happens there i think it's more of the that obviously that all needs to happen from a figurehead sort of standpoint but then on the kind of next tier of that there in, in the analytics in the player development especially All of that kind of stuff. You need to take notes from the teams that have done it right in recent years, and they're able to operate on a smaller budget than even you have because I saw a post the other day in terms of everybody likes to say Jerry is cheap and sure you can go and point to the not – handing out a contract over $100 million to a player there, and that is all legitimate. Not dismissing that at all. However, you go and see teams that, sure, they may have handed out one of those before, but they operate on a year-to-year budget that is lower than the White Sox, and they have more success consistently. The Tampa Bay Rays, for example. Uh, There are other teams out there that do it as well, just teams that have good development staffs. The St. Louis Cardinals seem to churn out position players like no other The Los Angeles Dodgers always have somehow a far, stacked farm system and are always in contention, win, A, winning the AL West, and then are in contention for the at least NL pennant, if not the World Series, every year. There needs to be some notes taken from there. Maybe some guys taken from there. Hey, if you can't beat them, join them. In that case, meaning make them join you, right? Um, Offer them a position that's higher up than where they are at uh, within their current organization there. That, that's kind of stuff that I think will be really if you want to change the you know kind of guts of this culture needs to be done in those kind of middle tiers there beyond just replacing the figureheads at the top uh, and some of those decision makers like Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams and obviously your owner at the top Jerry Reinsdorf but you know we know the situation there you can't do too much about that until the inevitable happens
1: Yeah. So this is another thing and you brought up, uh, you know, just organizational and some of the different things that go on there. Ozzy was talking about uh, on the, I believe it was the pregame show uh, about building a, a winning culture within the organization. And I don't think they've done a really good job of that. I kind of really agree with Ozzy's assessment on it. There's no development of a winning culture within this organization. Too much learning at the major league level, not enough success within our minor leagues. You go across, you know, our t- entire farm system, Johnny, we, we joked about it. I think the last time we had Charlotte in the playoffs, we were running Char Knight's Weekly episodes. Um, I, I haven't seen any sort of organizational success with some of these things. There's not a big focus on winning and having all the, so you bring up the Dodgers. Not only do they have a stacked roster, they've got a top farm system. Uh, and that's not because they're drafting the highest player every year, because they're not. They're drafting at the back half because they're in the playoffs, and yet they're able to extract these values, develop these guys into winners, um, and you see some of them go on uh, throughout baseball and and carry that same sort of mentality. You look across town, a guy like Cody Bellinger, I know he's had his struggles, uh, but has recently refound it, um, he's he's an exact sort of replica of a guy that I would like to see the White Sox be able to develop, comes out of nowhere in the prospect scene and comes up to the major league level and mashes. We talked about this a couple of years ago, and I think this you're, you're probably still the same way. You love prospects who come up and rake immediately. Uh, I think every baseball fan does. Yeah, we really haven't had that. Col- you look at like Oscar Michael- Colas no. right now is the is the converse example oh God, to this. Yeah.
0: Colston Montgomery needs to be Ellie La Cruz he's a bust. Day one, meatball take of the day.
1: There you go. We love meatball takes <laughs> around here. Love it. Uh,
0: yeah, um, man, it, it's frustrating time to, to be a White Sox fan. We appreciate everyone tuning in with us here. Once again, make sure you're subscribed on HIP Sportsnet, on YouTube, drop your comments, and we've had a bunch of good ones like this. All right, let's change the tone just a little bit here. I want to talk about this. Um, positive news, a lot of Marlins people think the White Sox just traded for the Marlins' best prospect, uh, meaning... Um, who the White Sox got back from Jake Berger um, and he was ranked fourth, I believe in in that system there. But um, this kind of stuff you need to subscribe YouTube, Facebook for, uh, drop your comments in here so we can get this Intel feature it right here. Thank you, Blake name for the comment there um, regarding that. That makes me feel okay <laughs> right now <but laughs> it man. makes
1: you feel yeah. just Pre- just okay <laughs> i'm just wondering that, if blank name is a, a just, player to be a player to be dude, named later there all right
0: so prospects or suspects i just wanted to touch on this for a second and we've got the birmingham barons and god bless them it's nothing personally i don't it's not that i dislike the birmingham barons, barons. i want the white Sox farmhands to all succeed I want them all to turn into successful major leaguers and contribute to the White Sox so we can look back on their time in Birmingham and say, look at the coaches there and say, yeah, this hitting coach helped me so much as I was coming up through the system and really helped me, yada, 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 this and that. Well, we've got new catching prospect, Edgar Cuero, uh, the first, I guess, uh, acquisition of this trade deadline, you could say, uh, what you got back from Lucas Giolito, the headliner in that deal, um, hitting an RBI single tonight, and that's great. I'm glad. Guerrero's, you know, hitting and not striking up down there at Birmingham. But once again, it's a grainy highlight, Tony. It's a fucking grainy highlight, and it's a little slap single. And I, I got to shout out everything White Sox. He says, oh, my God, they traded for another slap hitter here. And I can't do the grainy highlight prospect shit anymore. And that's why I'm on Team redo I don't want to sit through that. I would rather take my chances and just fucking go for it. I don't want this.
1: I I, do. I'm going to be ready next year. I doubt it. Edgar Cuero is not going to be ready. next year. like his
0: ETA is 2020. Although I heard we
1: might see that Kai Bush kid up at some point, (sighs) uh, towards the end of the year here. Cause yeah. Who, who the hell knows, but I'm with you. I don't want to go through the whole, get my hopes up thing. I will say this because I'm I'm just so ready for Blackhawk season and shout out Four <laughs> Feathers podcast. I have to give the plug here. You can follow Johnny and I through the winter. We'll be talking about better things over on the Four Feathers Blackhawks podcast, but on Tap Sports Network, Johnny. I can't wait right. to get into hawk stuff with you. Yeah, and that's do you great. There's no the-
0: grainy highlights because you get a fucking NHL ready guy from day one. There. <laughs>
1: yes, that's what I was about to say. They picked a direction though when they did this because they right, started yeah. to. Now, granted they had sustained success, the kind that Rick Khan has wet dreams about in the, uh, in the, in the first half of the 2010s there. Then they sort of get to this middling, you know, mired in mediocrity situation. They go through, they go through a couple of years trying to extend it. They get their jam. I will say they did make the playoffs a couple of years after that, but yeah. Yeah. COVID season. They they made it in there uh, on a, by the skin of their teeth and some rule adjustments and all that other good shit. But for the, for the most part, they had to pick a direction as an organization and stop the retool thing and eventually had to do the heavy work to go and and rebuild stuff. Now, by the luck... Or they got they, a new architect, too. They did. Granted, it was they by external new, circumstances, but they got a new
0: architect of that thing.
1: Yes. And, and look at what the fans did to buy back in. I'm just looking at this from a fan perspective. I think people are a little tired of this same song and dance over and over right. again and I, I i do agree with you that the lesser of two evils here is just try and go for it it's gonna be half-assed i don't think that they're gonna have the resources to put it together you look back you just talked about would you trade six pitchers and a position player and you got all that this are they really gonna go out and sign six or seven guys next year because not a lot of this. There might be two or three guys. Should. Might it should be two or three guys I, I think, that can come in and compete I, for. Here's right. the thing. I don't want any of those guys handed a roster spot on day fucking one on this team without yeah, earning right. it in spring training and playing better. And that means you right. need to I sign would, six or seven guys would, plus the three or four holes you had already. Yeah, so we're talking 10 fucking signings. Right. And
0: that's and that's on Rick han Kenny Williams, Jerry Reins, or have some shame for what just happened in this window here. Have some real shame. And if I want gonna... them to be
1: overstated about how much shame they have. right, exactly. Overstated. Uh, this is this is my wish and I don't
0: I, you know I'll just assume that I'm not going to get it. But in my you know world here, I can you know talk about it here on trade deadline day in, in reaction to what just happened here in the direction of the team and the failed rebuild and all of that, I would have some shame. Have some shame about it and actually go. And if you're not going to trade Cease, you're not going to trade Luis Robert, that's fine. Those guys are good players. I don't blame you if you want to hang on to them. I want to hang on to them. I like to see good players play for my team instead of watching them on grainy, you know, watching what could be in the grainy prospect highlight videos, right? I get it. But then go and give those guys a chance to win. The only way to do that is through. (laughs) <laughs> that retool model. And like you said, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. It, just, for example, I would go and sign Adam Duvall and put him in right field and tell Oscar Colos, what the fuck are you going to do about it? The example of what I would yep. do if I was in charge.
1: Yep. And, and, and here's the other thing too, in terms of guys like Johan mancada Iguoy Jimenez, um, mm-hmm. You're gonna need a catcher. Yeah, Yaz won't be back. You need a second baseman. Uh, I would even say, well, at least Tim Anderson somewhat has Colson Montgomery pushing him. Um, and there's not much time left on that deal. We're talking about 2024. Yeah, my, We're talking about return. that might be that might be good, next year.
0: Real quick, that just might be a decent handoff there, though, between Anderson Montgomery. Assuming you don't sign Anderson by the time he's gone next year, it might be time for Colson to come up. Just that's yeah. future thought, but I just had that in my mind with looking at ETAs and all that.
1: It's, it's the way too early. Rick Hahn doesn't want to talk about opening day 2024. Talk about opening day 2024 right now. Crap like that. Crap like that. Uh, we're going to need a marketing slogan for next year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll figure that one out somewhere along the line. But I don't want Yoan Moncada to be comfortable going into next season as the third baseman. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm... You need to have a valid backup plan. The, your backup plan right. just got traded because he's played more, uh, more of the games over there at third base. It feels like this season that the guy who now doesn't have any sort of competition behind him. Um, right. well, Andrew Vaughn shouldn't so, yeah. Andrew Vaughn shouldn't be comfortable at first base. And I'm sorry, gloves come off here. Gavin Sheets hasn't proved to be the answer to potentially dispel or displace him at first base. So for where, your boy. Yeah. where's the competition here? Where's the drive to do better? The only guy that should walk on to this team next year, I, I, there's probably two. The, the only guys that should walk onto this team next year and be comfortable right away is Andrew Benintendi and Luis Robert Jr. That's about it. Because I don't think Anderson is 100% a lock to come back to this team next year. Everybody else should have some sort of feeling that there's a guy who's ready to come up and take their job at any given moment that's on the position player side pitching not talking about that right now on the position player side there needs to be competition amongst these guys every i, I feel like they're too i don't know what they, they, they take it for granted almost that they're going to be in the lineup complacent they, yeah they're complacent that's a perfect word for it that's why we have editors here at on cap sports <laughs> that johnny does a hell of a job doing that but They are complacent. That's exactly what they are. Right? Yeah.
0: Culture of complacency. I think that's a good, that's a good point to make there. Um, On Tim Anderson, I know this is getting, just getting technical on you, but I I would argue that he's, while shouldn't feel comfortable, especially after the season that you've had this year, but um, club option next year, 14 million. That seems pretty okay. In my book. Yeah. if oh, we could be was... making
1: a whole lot more if he had hit free agency and yeah, so right. Well, it's, it's a club from a contract option, value standpoint, yeah. I think. It's yeah, he's a club option. And then, you know, if, if
0: things unfold, whatever, see how it goes next year, he could be a trade deadline candidate next year. Um, because I think if he would have had a normal Tim Anderson season, at least the Tim Anderson that we have seen since 2019, if he would have had that type of season, no doubt in my mind, he would have been moved today. That's where I'm at. So, and then I think after that, Colson pushing with there if he needed to bridge for just a short amount of time with Lenin Sosa, who knows exactly what his position is going forward there. Um, but this, like I said, this is getting a little bit technical on that front there. Other than that, though, yeah, yeah, a lot of, hole, lot of say, holes should anybody in, else, and you want to generate competition. I think that's the point that you're making there, though. You know, letting these guys be complacent, and, and I think there needs to be an extra drive too that comes from. Uh, within both from player motivation standpoint, whether that be on the um, manager. I think a lot of that has to do with, Pedro Grafol. Is he going to be back? I mean, shit, that's a whole nother issue that we haven't tackled. I feel like we'll have a lot more to discuss on that when the offseason gets closer, because obviously he's not getting canned right now midseason. That's not happening. Um, this team already is what it is at this point. Um, he was Han's guy, too. So does Han stick around? That's you know uh, another well, question that needs see to be the, asked
1: here's, in terms of Grifol. Here's one thing that I forgot to, to bring up here, and this is maybe something that didn't happen and sort of flew out of the radar, or under the radar for a couple of folks. Uh, did you see the reports about the White Sox inquiring on Salvador Perez. Yeah, yeah. Steve's worst nightmare coming to life. Yeah. So that tells me that Rick Hahn and Pedro Grifol will be back here. Steve Stone, uh, I guess took to Twitter uh the other night and was answering fan questions. Yeah. And uh I believe he also said that he believes that Pedro Grifol is the guy in the dugout next year, or should should be the guy in the dugout next year. So They'll, they'll go and address one. I'm very nervous that the Bob Nightingale Sox are going to be active players in free agency winds up being white Sox signed Salvador Perez. And uh we go from there. They trade for him because he's well, under control. So it's money money. Tra- you have to trade. I'm, I'm talking about it. money. Well, hmm. I guess, yeah, from free agency standpoint, that's, that's fair. We're not spending money on a contract there. Uh can he be your catcher? That's you what. Just that's
0: why we stocked up all these pitchers because Kansas City just traded. Kansas yeah. City just traded away to, some uh, pitchers too at the deadline. So that man, how do we not see the long game here? This is all just setting up for a Grand Salvador Perez trade in the off season. We're idiots for not real, realizing that earlier. All right, I just
1: put it all together right now. Don't listen to the whole
0: first fifty minutes of the Sox on Tap trade deadline special. Just know Salvador Perez prized offseason acquisition
1: could you imagine if they uh deal yes. uh, D- jake eater for salvador perez? oh god yeah
0: yeah right, right as people start to come around to him and like the burn from the burger trade starts to wear off then they go and flip him for sal perez the aging sal perez there behind the plate and okay yeah he might reach the batter's eye twice next season if he were to come to the south side
1: well other than that I guess he only costs about uh, two mil more than uh, Yasmani Grandal did this year. I think his salary next year looks like uh, twenty mil, and then uh, twenty two and twenty five. The club option for 13-5 and 26. All right,
0: right. this isn't a direct endorsement of Sal Perez because there's plenty of issues that come with that. But I do just want to say you talked about not being complacent and pushing guys for positions next year if we're going to go and do this and they're going to stick to their plan and say that they are competitive next year. Not that I think he's the absolute best option there. However, um, none of the guys that they just traded for, the AAA guy from Houston – expect him to step in and be catcher number one on opening day next year. I'm sorry. That might work for other organizations when they can go and just plug holes from within their minor league system. I don't trust these prospects as far as I can throw them. And that guy had injury issues, issues earlier this year. Um, I don't know. I need to see a lot. I need to see like him coming up at the end of this year and absolutely owning the job for me to feel any better in that. And then Cuero seems like he is still a few years off. That maybe not a few years, but season and a half, maybe. That's what I gather just from where he was at, because I believe he was also pushed in his development into being at Double A this year. Um, in terms of that's kind of overslotting him for his age range there. So, and then if if you have Sal Perez, contract's not up yet, and that Quero guy does become ready by some stretch of the imagination. He's blocking him, and then you're just DFA Sal Perez down the road. <laughs> Get half That's the corner, White Sox way. DFA and you gave, guys. And you yeah. gave up the so called best prospect in the Marlins system that you had acquired for one of your up and coming controllable players. Man, it's a. If it happened to James we, Shields, it could happen need, to anybody. We need a Charlie Day type of board to map out all of these trades and where guys are and what the cause and effect is for certain things of how they get brought up or sent down or released or traded or whatever it may be to really map this out see what kind of a colossal fuck up this whole white socks competitive window. And then whatever they're going to do in the next few years has been the, the, the ripple effects of not succeeding that in that competitive window. Yeah.
1: I, I can see this just spiraling out of control, in certain regards. But uh, yeah, no. Let's let's hope that N.W.I. Steve's nightmare doesn't come true. That said, if you don't have a number one next year, you're going to have to address it. Somebody's going to have to be your number one catcher if you're talking about competing. I don't think that's Sebby Zavala, as I said, there's nobody on this roster outside of a handful of people who should be guaranteed a starting day job next season, or at least uncomfortable in their position. And that's how you develop that sustained success. This is what we were promised. This is what we were told was going to happen. And we're nowhere near that because you can't start to identify anybody who's major league ready. That's going to come up here and challenge for these things. Is Zach Remillard really going to be the guy again? Wonderful story. Ballard. Is he, is, is he going to be, a guy that's a huge player on your team next year. No, uh, is a bench guy, so just so like we all can't... talked
0: about the past number
1: 28 Larry Garcia for a
0: while when he was going well. Yeah.
1: Everything went downhill when Larry left.
0: Yeah. Did. I mean, because really to... ob- obviously Oscar Colas can't handle the boom box. So yeah, we need Larry back for that. All right. Just on the, I just talked about start... marketing
1: slogans real quick though, Johnny. Yeah. White Sox.
0: Crank it up. Boombox. Boombox. Crank box. it up. There it is. Crank, crank it
1: up. Crank the boombox up to another level. Bring back Larry 2024 World Series you know, parades back on. And then yeah. we can talk to Han.
0: All right. One last comment just is in nitty-gritty of prospects here, and that is Corey Lee, the catcher that they acquired from the Astros for Kendall Graveman, probably the closest to MLB ready. It did have a little cup of coffee with the Astros at AAA. Um, it is about to start rejoining that lineup there um he was out for a little bit with an issue while he was at the end of his tenure within the astros organization with their AAA squad um about to join AAA, I would imagine depending i know uh, what your opinion of yes Monty grandal what they should do what they actually will do with him but if you do open up a spot um shit we've carried three catchers before bring him up he's the closest one looking like that there at triple a and he's number 14 prospect there even you know remember we got this like kind of flood in and like that first night after we traded geo and relo and it was like oh well these guys are already top two and top uh you know five for their top seven now after looking at these rankings here for what we've got within the system that guy is down there you really trust that as your opening day catcher next year because I'm sorry, Sebby Zavala. You know what? I once again, another friend of the program from Shy Sox Weekly. But I'm sorry, the bat just is not there consistently. Can be a solid defensive catcher there. He is a okay backup catcher in this league, but he's not your starter. Very <laughs> legitimately competitive. And then Corey Lee just jumping up and taking over in front of him. I don't believe that he is a jump in guy there. So, food for thought on your cell Perez dreams tonight.
1: <laughs> you're not talking to me, you're talking to Steve and I hope he's out uh, there enjoying the East Coast and and uh, watching Atlanta watching bars. a real organization yeah. play down in ATL. Yeah. Man. Whatever they do, we're we're going to be here to talk about it and I'm sure that there's going to be people to uh comment on it and uh you know, have their thoughts and feelings on it. If Sal Perez does become the starting catcher for the Chicago White Sox next season, is that the worst thing? I don't know. Your team retool Johnny. So you tell me. Right. And
0: not the absolute worst thing, no. Um, but I believe there's probably better options to be able to work something out elsewhere. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of food for thought, chew on here. So um, we hope you enjoyed socks on tap, White Sox trade deadline reaction show. Um, thanks for uh, commiserating along with us here. Uh, make sure you're cracking them. Uh, get get through this, White Sox fans. We'll be here for you every step of the way. Uh, you know what? This team sucks, Tony. Uh, on this game tonight, it, it was tough watching it, but um, I'll be honest with you, it was nice watching Jesse Schulten's go out there and cook. Because we need to cook Jesse. Hey, only run allowed the solo shot to Mitch Garver. That that's not a bad outing, six innings, shit. That's better from what we've been getting from Mike Kopech on a lot of occasions. It's better what we've gotten from Dylan Cease on multiple occasions this year. So um I just wanted to wrap it up from the little bit of game action today. Um, That's about what I had. Obviously the bats couldn't get anything going. They looked absolutely lifeless. I feel like uh DJ was saying it on the radio, you know, a trade like that, it makes you kind of sucks life out uh, of the clubhouse when you know guys are going. And obviously they've taken some hits over this past weekend because no matter how much we, Sit here and bandy about how it's all toxic and needs to be replaced and all of this and that. Guess what? Those guys have to go in, go to work, suit up, be with each other every single day. There is at least some sort of camaraderie that is built, even if it's just for I have to fucking put up with you for seven hours today. Um, that's kind of what you saw out there on the field tonight. But, hey, shout-out to Jesse Schultons, guy who got in, broke into the league late, um, and is now thrust into a starting role in what probably would have been Lucas Giolito's spot tonight. And uh, he gave us a damn good outing. So uh, I'll tip my cap, have a drink to Jesse Schulten's, and
1: that's my final thought for tonight. Yeah, good shit from Schulten's tonight for sure. I uh, wish the White Sox offense was able to uh, put a couple two-tree up for him. Uh, unfortunately, they were unable to. Maybe if Jake Berger were in the lineup, we were talking about a White Sox winner tonight um, and and doing a little bit of a different style show. Uh, That was not the case, but uh, regardless, Schulten's looked really good. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if he's a guy that uh, vies for a rotation spot next season. I know he broke into the league late, as you said. Uh, he, He screams rebuild pitcher to me, but If uh, if you know you can get something out of him Uh, we talked about how the White Sox are going to need guys to eat innings um, get them through and he kept the White Sox competitive today uh, against one of the best ball clubs in the American League if not all of baseball so impressive stuff I know that's something that he's going to remember for the rest of his lifetime uh, being able to go up against some of the best and and shut them down uh, for the most part. you know, good stuff. We'll see if it continues. He's got a job to do. Uh, but if he can stay up to the task, I think we'll be there to talk about it. And uh, you know, cheers to Jesse tonight. He he pitched a hell of a ball game. Yeah. Um that's about
0: all I've got. Once again, thanks to everybody for tuning in, jumping in the comments here for future shows. Make sure you're subscribed, YouTube, on tap sportsnet, and Facebook. Sportsnet is the handle there as well. Unfortunately, can't see the comments from Twitter, so go to YouTube or Facebook, drop your comments in, and we can pull them up just like this you see below us on our screen here. Um, go and check out OnTapSportsNet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, and give us a follow on socials at Tap and at Untap Sportsnet. All right, Tony, one last toast for Jake Berger, and we're getting out of here. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.